Okay, everybody, welcome to a live emergency pod. If you're not following us on YouTube, you could have listened to this live. This came out shortly after we taped it on YouTube. YouTube.com slash this week in no spaces, no dashes. We'll get you to our channel, hit the subscribe button. Next to the subscribe button is a bell. If you click the bell, if I go live, you'll get a, an alert. Just to give you a fair warning, we don't go live that often, like once a week right now. And today I'm going to talk a little bit about Silicon Valley Bank shutting down. Yes, that's right. If you're catching up to the story, uh, this is the fastest moving story I've seen in the history of Silicon Valley. And this could be one of the most impactful stories in the history of Silicon Valley. Because so many successful companies and successful venture firms are being impacted by this shutdown. And I have not seen this much chaos in Silicon Valley since the 2008 financial crisis and the dot-com crisis. Now, is it going to be as bad? Maybe, maybe not. I think there's an 80 or 90% chance that Silicon Valley Bank is rescued this weekend, bought by Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, somebody, and that everything is uh, back to normal within a, a couple of days or weeks, and everybody's money in the bank is taken care of. There is a non-zero chance, and I'm going to just pick a number here, 10, 20% chance, that this could have a severe impact and people will not have access to the funds they have on deposit. And that's going to cause uh, a lot of second and third stream or second and third order uh, downstream impacts. Okay, so we have uh, 650 people watching this live. Please give a thumbs up if the thumbs up gets to 50% of the number of people watching live, then this will uh, trend and more people will get to see it. And I've got a lot of important information for founders. So uh, Again, the FDIC has shut down Silicon Valley Bank. That happened this morning. For context, um, Silicon Valley Bank, SVB, I'll refer to it as we go forward here. Um, they claim half of all US-backed uh, tech and life science companies bank with them. And that's true. Uh, every board of I'm on. Yes. So uh, for context, Silicon Valley Bank claims that nearly half of all US venture backed tech and life science companies bank with them. So if you have received money from venture capitalists, you're probably uh, flip a coin going to be using Silicon Valley Bank. You might be using First Republic or other banks. And I've had a wonderful experience being a customer of Silicon Valley Bank over the years. Uh, I have been a customer of theirs, First Republic's and, and many other banks. In fact, I got taught early in my career by Elliot Cook, who was like my chief operating officer. Uh, and he was much older than me. When I first started having millions of dollars in the bank for different businesses, he would always keep it in three different accounts. And I said, why is that? He said, well, in case of a bank run or something, we can't access the money. It's taken 30 years for me to realize how right Elliot Cook was. I had never seen this happen before where people could not get access to cash they had in a super credible bank. And so this is black swan territory of course a bank run you've all heard of if you've seen it's a wonderful life uh, you've seen a bank run before uh, in a movie and so this is so fast moving we just have to recap it really quick 36 hours ago silicon valley bank uh, was down 60 percent their stock and that was because um they had a bunch of news that they were going to um rebalance right the ceo had announced that they would rebalance their balance sheet basically and that got everybody really interested now there had been some rumblings before this um quietly that silicon valley bank uh had some balance sheet issues and we'll get into those in a moment but uh trading was halted today and today's friday uh, for those of you listening on saturday due to pending news in quotes and around noon eastern 
the uh, Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation shut down Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, they basically took it over. And this means they went from trading at a $16 billion market cap to being shut down entirely in two days. So just let that sink in. A $16 billion company that services half of the venture-backed companies is insolvent. It's gone. Uh, and two days ago, it was worth $16 billion. This is where uh, the rubber hits the road. All insured depositors, and this came from the FDIC's press release today, all insured depositors will have full access to their insured deposits no later than Monday morning. Okay, that sounds great. March 13th, 2023. If you're a startup founder, you're like, oh, I have access. Uh, but insured deposits is the key word in that sentence, the qualifier. The FDIC will pay uninsured depositors an advanced dividend within the next week. Okay, wait, uninsured depositors? And this is where when you see FDIC insured in commercials, in fact, I've read Silicon Valley Bank, First Republic and countless other commercials on this very podcast, it always ends with that little jingle, hey, FDIC insured, so you know, uh, your money or some portion of it is insured. As the FDIC sells the assets of and then this is where it gets really critical, uninsured depositors will receive a receivership certificate for the remaining amount of their uninsured funds. A receivership certificate. Okay, this sounds like a participation certificate. This does not sound like money. And here's the kicker. As the FDIC sells the assets of Silicon Valley Bank, future dividend payments may be made to uninsured depositors. Okay. If you're a venture-backed company, the average venture-backed deal, the minimum venture-backed deal, is typically has two commas in it, right? A million dollars or more. Seed investors might put in 250, but when you raise venture capital, you know, Series A on average five, 10 million bucks. And sometimes in this hot market, it was even more. So what this means, in just simple plain English, as I'm reading it, uh, and as you could probably tell, if you're an SVB client, you're one of these startups, you're gonna get access to your insured funds on Monday, fantastic. But that's only 250,000. That's the limit of FDIC insurance uh, for businesses. The rest of the money, you are getting an IOU a receivership certificate, I'm reading that as an IOU. How long does it take to liquidate a company it becomes the key question? Well, um, if somebody buys Silicon Valley Bank this weekend, and there's been a ton of speculation about this, will Goldman, JP Morgan, whoever come in and buy this very elite crown jewel of Silicon Valley of banks, people really do think this is a, a real asset, right? Silicon Valley Bank has a very good reputation and an incredible group of uh, customers, venture capitalists are also equally exposed to Silicon Valley Bank, it is the bank of record, not just for founders in Silicon Valley who are venture backed, but the venture capitalists who invest in them. And so if this became a large unwind where they were selling assets, you know, from the desks and office buildings, the wine collection, they have a famously Silicon Valley Bank service, the, the, the wineries um, up in Napa and, and Sonoma, you know, if they're liquidating all this stuff, how long does it take? Now, of course, there's going to be treasuries, equities, there's going to be all kinds of loans. And this is where unpacking this, if it has to occur through the FDIC and a, and a liquidation, well, this could take years and could be incredibly painful. If somebody comes in, a white queen or a white knight uh, comes in and just buys this thing, well, then uh, everybody should have their money up and running very quickly. So I'm hoping that one of two things happens here. A large bank with a big balance sheet buys it and makes sure that everybody who has cash in there uh, has access to it. Or two, uh, the government comes in and backstops this. Now, that's quite controversial. 
Should the government come in and backstop this? Uh, I believe that the government should backstop many businesses uh, that have second and third order impacts. Uh, so if an airline goes out of business, and that basically shuts down Atlanta, because that's their hub or Southwest Airlines operates out of what Phoenix or something or Arizona, and that shuts down the whole hub and it, it impacts all these other businesses and jobs. I don't have a problem with those backstops occurring by the government. I think it's a good use of government funds of our funds as taxpayers. But it has to be under the condition that it is the senior debt and that they get interest or an equity kicker. So if the government does take the risk of bailing out Silicon Valley Bank or an airline or whatever needs to be bailed out in the world, because we think it's a good idea to bail it out because there'll be second and third order effects that we can't even anticipate. If that does happen, I think they should get paid off like we do as venture capitalists, unlimited upside. They get to own 10 or 20% of the company or they get double their money back minimum over 10 years. Make it, I don't want to say painful, but make the risk the government is taking by backstopping something like Silicon Valley Bank or an airline or the car industry, the automotive industry, make it so the public gets a big payday. In fact, all of those Obama era um, loans that were given to electric vehicles, uh, companies like Tesla, Fisker, uh, there was a Solera, I think, like a, an energy company. Some of those didn't work. Some of them got paid back with interest, like in the case of Tesla, and I think not Fisker. So uh, we are going to have a crazy weekend. I do think majority chance this weekend, somebody will buy Silicon Valley Bank. That's a guess on my part. Hopefully it's an educated guess. I don't exactly have inside information, but I'm on a lot of group chats with a lot of people speculating. So and the people who are in my circle, are you know, in and around the industry, right? Their, their customers are Silicon Valley Bank, they might have their kids soccer game might be with Silicon Valley Bank executives. So I, I have no idea of knowing, you know, uh, if these rumors are true, or the back channel is true. But I suspect that somebody will want to buy this. And this is a DEFCON one type situation. Why? Well, if your startup can only take out 250 and you have 10 20 100 million dollars in that bank account you're not going to make payroll you might have 250 or a million in your uh, bank account typically that's what um folks will do they'll have money at silicon valley bank they might sweep a million dollars automatically so anytime it dips below a million or five hundred thousand, whatever you set in your checking account or your you know accounts payable payroll account it gets swept put into that account and then goes out if that number goes under 500 it replenishes 500 on top of it right you, you've probably done this in your own personal life with your personal bank accounts uh perhaps instead of having to manually do it i think there are many companies out there could be dozens to hundreds uh and they will have collectively tens of thousands of employees who are at risk of not making payroll in the next two weeks to 10 weeks and maybe on average it's four weeks and that is uh, what scares me most, is that there are companies that were solvent, right? We've spent the last 18 months, mm, no, five quarters, the last five quarters, uh, 15 months, working out in our portfolios, in these investments, all of the companies that weren't going to make it or needed to cut half their staffs, needed to raise emergency funding bridge rounds. All of that was for the companies that were broken, that didn't have product market fit, that were overspending, right? Then we had a group of companies that had either been profitable, had 50 months of runway, had raised money at the right time, and they were sitting pretty with huge bank accounts filled with cash. 
that they now can't access. So now they get put in the bucket of troubled startups. So if 50% of venture backed startups are in this bucket, and I would say 50% of startups were having a problem, that means a full 75% of startups could be in for a world of pain, the 50% that didn't have product market fit plus another 25% that were doing just fine, but are part of the 50% that were exposed to Silicon Valley banks implosion here. So um, let me give you a little background. Uh, on, and then I'll get to what I think founders should be doing this weekend. And uh, maybe I'll take questions as well. Uh, somewhere in this should I take some questions now? Maybe I'll pause there, Nick, and we have two more segments to go where I'm going to give you how this happened, how Silicon Valley got so big, and then what founders should do. So let's just pause. Levi asks, what are your thoughts on emergency funding sources, accelerated recaps, etc? Okay, great question. Going to your venture capitalists and saying I need emergency funding. There is a possibility I don't know if it's a probability that they had their LP funds, their investment dollars at Silicon Valley Bank. This morning, I got an email from a fund I'm an LP in. And they said we had x millions of dollars in Silicon Valley Bank, we weren't able to get it out of Silicon Valley Bank. Yesterday, we tried. We're going to get 250 of that, which is a fraction of the amount of money the millions of dollars they have there. And now that venture firm cannot fund their company. So let's just pause there and think about what's going to happen. A company that has Silicon Valley Bank uh, as their treasury can't get access and can't make payroll. Their lead VC is also on Silicon Valley Bank and can't get access to this money. Now what happens? Now that founder would have to go get emergency funds from another venture capital firm. Those firms are already dealing with the mess of startups during this correction. And this is why I believe we're in the early stages of a contagion or potentially a contagion. And if this becomes an acute contagion, where venture, where many venture funds are frozen, other venture funds don't want to solve their problems. And there's a bunch of problems and people get laid off. This could have cascading effects. And so I would be lying if I wasn't telling you that this is terrifying. Um, this is a terrifying situation. Now, I do think it's an 80 or 90% chance that somebody buys it, or the government comes in and backstops this. If that doesn't happen, I can tell you, in all honesty, I would not lie to you. I am terrified. I am terrified that this is a black swan contagion like effect that could happen. Now, it's not going to affect people who are not in the tech industry, largely, that would be like a third order, fourth order kind of impact, like, oh, people who go to our private school are from Silicon Valley, they got laid off. Now they can't afford private school tuition. Now that sounds crazy, right? I'm on the board of a private school. Literally, uh, during the Great Recession, and during other times, that can happen, you will have parents who've been laid off say, Hey, I'm going to the school, I got laid off. I and so now you have schools being private schools being impacted for it, you could have mortgages, you could have, um, you know, people who are domestic staff or work at a small business that's funded by somebody who works in tech. So those um, emergency funding sources don't exist. Levi, if this thing goes um, conta the contagion route, I think then it's game over. I think e it's every man, woman and startup for themselves. And that's scary. Uh, I mean, that is shutdown central. Uh, Nick T. Nick asks, how does Silicon Valley Bank affect founders trying to raise seed rounds right now? I think this is going to be a huge distraction. 
And I think any funding that was going to occur or that any discussions that were going on are frozen for 60 days. Yeah, because I have multiple deals I'm working on. Now, I am getting pulled out of those deals to deal with my existing portfolio companies. What would you do if you were me? Try to save an existing strong startup company where I've already made the bet or make another bet. So just think that through for a second. Obviously, I have to take care of my portfolio companies first before I do new investments. Now, we have multiple investments that we're in the process of working on. We're going to keep working on them, but my time might get pulled away. And if this were to become acute, yes, I might have to stop investing in startups for 30 or 60 days. I hope that doesn't happen. But I think a lot of VCs, when these kind of things happen, they do stop meetings with founders and they stop investing. All right, let's get back to the docket here and go through how we got here. It's very simple. 2020 and 2021 were the most ridiculous investment years since the dot-com era. These were record years, not just for startups raising money, but also for VCs. Why? Well, there was a ton of liquidity sloshing around, everybody was making money, and we were in a zero interest rate environment. So money was looking for projects to back, whether, you know, it was crazy things like NFTs and crypto or totally legitimate SaaS businesses that just became uh, worth more money they got higher multiples than they should have. And LPs were uh, making money. So of course, uh, VCs were making money. The party was in full swing, VCs raised larger funds, because their LPs are making larger returns, and everybody's making bigger bets. And that's logical. But it obviously got overheated. According to PitchBook and the NVCA, 2023 Q4 was US Venture Monitor uh that's the kind of the gold standard for fundraising data according to that in 2021 vcs raised a record 154 billion dollars from lps that's up 65 percent over 2020 2020 was also a record year so we had record year on record year and if you look at this chart it just tells the story you know you you, you see 2015 to 2019 hey we're cooking with oil this the, the funds are getting larger and larger especially compared to the amounts raised in 2012 and 2013. What was one of the big reasons uh, people were raising all this money? Well, we had a talent war, didn't we? What caused the talent war? Low interest rate environment caused Google and Amazon, and then some of the big private companies like Stripe and Uber, uh, and the Facebooks to all which obviously was public to double and triple their staffs and the, and the size of their companies in two or three years. So you have a talent war going on, then what do startups do? Startups try to compete with $400,000, $800,000 offers that Google or Meta or Amazon are giving to employees. So uh, they have to raise more money. So they're coming to venture capital saying, hey, you know, we would normally raise 3 million, but we really need 10 because everybody's salaries triple what it used to be. So this graph you're seeing here is why people started getting paid so much money in tech. All of these systems are not independent of each other. They form a giant um, superstorm. These are multiple factors creating an environment. Low interest rates, a talent war, LPs having amazing exits, and then people putting more money to work, VCs being more ambitious saying, hey, maybe I'll raise a larger fund. Maybe I'll raise a fund every two years instead of every four. Maybe I'll start a crypto fund on the side. Maybe I'll start um a, a, a vr fund right everybody got frisky everybody got aggressive that's great for society 
Um, it's great that we're making all these investments. These are small numbers when compared to the overall economy, obviously. Um, but this uh, can have really weird impacts. So let's get into what those impacts have been. All of that money raised resulted in a record $344 billion in capital from VCs going into startups in 2021. So as the amount of money being raised happens, VCs are like, you know what? Instead of you raising a seed round, why don't we just have you go straight to A? Or instead of you raising a series B when you get to $5 million in revenue, let's do it when you're at two. It used to be I would send a VC a company when they had two or $3 million in revenue to get their series A. Then I saw VCs investing in series A's $10 million at a $40 million post, a $50 million post for 20 25% of the company before the company really had product market fit. And when you do that, weird things happen, people start hiring a bunch of people before they have product market fit, they get distracted, the capital equals distraction. And this is why you hear VCs saying like, raise what you need, raise 24 months of capital, 18 months of capital, you don't need five years of capital, it's going to distract you, right? Um, and that great distraction that occurred, and, and that lack of focus on efficiency and getting fit, as Brad Gerstner would say, or managers managing managers manage managers, as Zuckerberg would say, all of that led to a lack of focus. When you have a lack of focus, you don't have real revenues underpinning these valuations. So if you have a high valuation, a high, a high burn rate, and low product market fit and low revenue, there's a big gap. And when the market changes like it did during this, um, what I'll call the speculative asset bubble bursting, when the speculative asset bubble bursted, people said, you know what, your company's actually worth a lot less. And then you're free falling between where your company was valued, uh, and what the reality is. And man, that could be a large, large drop for some companies. Some companies were being valued as series B companies at $100 million before they had product market fit before they actually had a product that worked. So now you're plowing money into a product that's not really uh, doesn't have what we call market pull in the industry, it's getting pulled along. Uh, and so that is another very dangerous thing that that's what we've been sorting out the last year. So now as we were sorting out those problems, now we have this a lot of startups were overfunded with a lot of capital in a short amount of time. A lot of VCs raised too many funds, you might have seen founders fund just took the size of their fund and said, we're going to cut, they didn't give the money back. They just resized their fund to half the size. Um, and all of this created a ton of new clients for Silicon Valley Bank. And very large deposits at Silicon Valley Bank. Those customers were putting large amounts. And here's the stat to prove it Silicon Valley Bank's deposits jumped from 61.8 billion at the end of 2019. And this is staggering to 189 billion by the end of 2019. So I'm sorry, Silicon Valley Bank's deposits jumped from 61.8 billion, let's call it 62 billion at the end of 2019. At the end of 2021, two years later, they had $189 billion. That's a 3x increase in deposits in two years. In other words, Silicon Valley Bank is now sitting on a large amount of capital. So uh, they don't have they have to take that money. Uh, and they have to when they have that amount of cash, they build a loan book. Uh, and I'm no expert on this. Uh, and you know, we'll we'll talk about it on the all in pod as well. So you get a back to back an emergency this week in startups, and you'll have a, a conversation with the besties talking about this, but they weren't able to build their loan book to generate all those fav favorable yields, right? That's what a bank does. 
they have a bunch of cash, they loan it out, and they, they try to balance those things, just like a sports book does, I just realized in some ways. Um, so instead, they purchased over $80 billion in mortgage-backed securities, MBS, like U.S. Treasuries. Now, these are considered the safest, <laughs> one of the safest places to put your money. Um, so they bought U.S. Treasuries. And as a reward for buying the safest uh, thing you could imagine, or one of the safest things, I mean, I guess gold or cash maybe would be safer. They bought U.S. Treasuries. These were not crazy trades where they were buying, you know, Theranos shares or putting their money into Peloton or something. They, they, they did not jump the fence and do anything crazy with the money. They put it into U.S. Treasuries. And they bought long duration ones at low interest rates. And they did this during a low interest rate environment. Remember we said the, the zero interest rate or low, close to zero interest rate environment created this problem. Okay. And so they bought these. And then you know what happened? The Fed raised rates at a faster pace than anybody could ever have imagined, right? Remember in 2022, they did the 25, the 50, 75, 75, all of that. I don't even, it was so many rates. I can't even remember. I used to have it committed to memory, each of the step ups. Um, now when you see the step ups, it's like a little jagged edge. It's parabolic in a way, right? It's just going straight up to, uh, you know, where we think the, the actual uh, stasis point or where we'll stay for a little while will be 5.x or maybe even 6.x. So when the Fed raised those rates, those treasuries, they declined in value on paper, right? Now, when you buy treasuries, my understanding, again, I'm not a super expert on this, if you hold them to maturity, no problem. But you can also trade those, right? So people will buy them, but they would buy them at a discount because obviously you can buy ones with a four or 5% rate. So why would you buy the ones with a low rate? But and this and this should be no problem, unless all of your clients, right? Remember that 189 billion that's sitting there? If they all decide to withdraw their funds quickly, you may have to rebalance. And that's what Silicon Valley Bank was in the process of doing. And when they do that, those paper losses, right, those treasuries are worth less now, because they're not as desirable. But they would have been made whole if they were held, you got to sell them. And if you sell them, and you start losing money, oh, my Lord, this can cause uh, a big, big problem because you've now locked in the losses and the losses were substantial. And then people start to worry, oh, are they going to be able to pay out all their clients? And that's where, uh, and there's a really good um, compound 248 on Twitter did a good explainer thread. He said, technically, if all the depositors ask for their money back at once, SVB needs to sell those bonds at the mark to market value, crystallizing what would have been a temporary loss. And if those losses are big enough, SVB may not have enough money to pay out all depositors. So fast forward to Wednesday, March 8th, uh, they announced that they uh, Silicon Valley announces that they've sold basically all of its available for sale securities with the attention of reinvesting the proceeds. Basically, they were rebalancing their balance sheet and um, trying to get away from those long dated bonds. And Reuters noted they sold $21 billion uh, of its security portfolio, which CNBC noted mostly consisted of US Treasury bonds, and all of this will come out eventually. Um, long story short, that sale, and we could probably describe it as a fire sale, uh, would have a post tax loss of 1.8 billion in Q1. The bank was trying to rework the balance sheet. And that I think got everybody panicked. So to offset that loss, they also announced Silicon Valley Bank that they would raise 2.25 billion uh, by issuing shares, uh, and 500 million was committed by General Atlantic. Um, with this announcement, 
SVB essentially hit the starter's pistol for the bank run. They basically told the market, hey, <laughs> we got problems. And that made everybody scared because everybody's been on edge because we've been trying to figure out how long is this going to be a hard landing, a soft landing? Well, if you show weakness, then people are going to drop the stock. The stock drops 60%. Now everybody's looking at this, right? And previously, only a small number of people were watching this. And of course, VCs then tell all their portfolio companies to withdraw their money from Silicon Valley Bank. Another group of VCs says, Silicon Valley Bank's been great to the community. True statement. Why would you do that to them? Don't take your money out. And now you have this basic prisoner's dilemma. If you take your money out, you're protected and you're protected your team, your investors, uh, your founders, your customers, your clients, all the stakeholders and shareholders in your company. But you're not loyal to Silicon Valley Bank. If you leave it in Silicon Valley Bank, maybe you lose that money because you only have 250k in protection. And most people would say, well, that's an edge case. It's not going to happen. I've never seen it happen. Uh, in fact, I had never seen it happen in my career into the great financial crisis. Um, and I think everybody got bailed out there. And so uh, from the information, uh, one of our favorite publications, New York based venture firm, USV this week sent an email to founders advising them to only keep minimal funds in cash accounts at SVB uh, funds up to 250 K from the USV email SVB is in a severe cash crisis do not accept any offers from SVB to keep your money there even if they dangle 5% interest rates in front of you. Union Square Ventures, that's Fred Wilson's venture firm, a friend of mine for a long time, noted it had reached out to many of its portfolio companies early in the year saying it had expected such a situation. According to Bloomberg, back in November, Green Oaks Capital told its portfolio founders to withdraw assets from SVB. So some people were kind of sensing this. Um, and then via Eric Newcomer, who's just on the show today, uh, or we taped it yesterday, came out today, um, from newcomer.co. He's got a great newsletter you should go subscribe to said he spoke to major investors who told him that 10 portfolio companies had pulled out about 1.5 billion collectively from SVB. Yesterday, I was getting reports, you know, in the group chats from friends from friends of friends, that everybody was pulling out at the same time. And that some people were getting their deposits out their withdrawals and some people weren't. And some people's withdrawals said they had gone out. And then they actually didn't make it out. So that's the chaos that's going on at startups today. Um, and a Friday morning, about a dozen founders were instructed by SVB themselves to go get a cashier's check from its New York office if they wanted to move funds. That's like a power move, you know, oh, yeah, we're gonna just put a little friction here. Um, and or maybe it's good advice, maybe that was the quickest way to do it. So those founders went to the SVB office and were waiting outside for a little while. You can see the photo here from newcomer.co. Uh, eventually, SVB called the police on them and politely asked the founders to leave according to Eric's reporting. And I've seen other videos of people outside the office um, and, uh, you know, down by Santo Road. So here's what SVB's CEO said on a call with some top clients and VCs on Thursday, right? We're back to yesterday, which feels like 10 years ago. Uh, Greg Becker said that calls from clients started coming in and started panic. A little, he, he didn't um, use proper grammar there, but can't blame the guy. It's been a pretty tough uh, 24 hours. I would ask everyone to stay calm and support us just like we supported you during challenging times. And when you hear something like that, uh, that is a tell that things are really not good. And I think that also when those quotes started coming out, like, hey, support us during challenging times, when your bank says that, that's not what the bank's supposed to say. So again, I think this is another, like, waving the red flag in front of the bull, like, get your money out. 
and I know he's trying to be honest with people and appeal to people's better instincts, but, and I'm playing Monday morning quarterback here and we're, it's, it's barely Monday morning. Um, so I think SVB didn't have to do this. They were trying to do the right thing and, uh, that did not go unper uh, unpunished. They were, and the high rate interest environment seems to be what caused this problem. And maybe they should have just held on to these treasuries. Uh, this is above my pay grade and above most people's pay grade, I think. Or this will be really simple. They just made a bad trade uh, and a panic started. And this is where a bank run, the term comes from, and a panic comes from. This exists as a concept in the world because it is so unique. And now we get to witness it uh firsthand and you really don't get to witness things like this happen and you know a bank run isn't technically a black swan event but i would say for silicon valley you know black swan will be something you haven't seen before obviously we all saw this and it's a wonderful life but what we haven't seen is something like this happen in the tech industry on both sides of the table so when i say i this feels black swanish and feels like a contagion the reason i feel that way is because both parties are being impacted so severely Bill Ackman, uh, hedge fund guy, um, he says the failure, and he did this tweet storm, the failure of SVB could destroy an important long-term driver of the economy as VC-backed companies rely on SVB for loans and holding their operating cash and private capital can't provide a solution. A highly dilutive government preferred bailout should be considered. And he is kind of tipping, like I did in my sort of tweet storm, he's kind of tipping his cards a little bit saying he knows that this is going to be unpopular. Saving big tech. <laughs> I, i'm trying to think of a more unpopular thing to do for the public like why should they get a bailout that's why i'm saying a highly dilutive government pref uh, preferred bailout highly dilutive the shareholders get screwed in uh, <laughs> they lose all their shares and then preferred bailout they are the top of the stack so when this thing does get unwound the government gets their money back um i can't remember who yeah. someone had a really funny tweet earlier today that was like could you think of a name of a bank that the government would want to bail out less than Silicon Valley Bank. I mean, uh, billionaire bank. Yeah, right. <laughs> Top one percent bank. Yeah, I think it's like yeah, one percenter banker. Yeah, yeah. Um, dictator bank. Dictator and billionaire banking services financials. Uh, yeah, we probably don't want to bail them out. Yeah, so, like, I think we're good. Uh, Mark Suster. <laughs> yeah, I think we're good. Mark Suster, a friend of mine, uh, he says, uh, more in the VC community need to speak out publicly to quell the panic about SVB. Uh, I believe their CEO when he says they are solvent and not in violation of any banking ratios and goal was to raise and strengthen balance sheet. They announced that they are settling, selling long term investments at a loss and investing in higher yield investments that improve their financial metrics. They are raising 2.25 billion to stabilize the balance sheet, yada, yada. Um, obviously, um, you know, um this advice uh to speak out publicly is fine i i, I did say I, I wish them the best but uh yeah this is the problem with a bank run the right thing to do is like a tragedy of the commons or a prisoner's dilemma doing what's right for everybody and doing what's right for yourself these things can sometimes be in conflict and so um and uh, Mark says, I believe SVB is one of the 20 largest banks in the US. I do not believe the US government would like to see them fail. Um, and so I agree with him on that. Uh, but uh, obviously, taking your money out was the right move. And could be the right move by a long margin if this thing does go belly up. Okay, that's all I got in terms of running you through what happened.
now we'll just get to your questions and uh, feel free to give it a thumbs up if you like. Uh, let's get some questions here. What happens to companies with credit facilities? Are they just void? Yeah, that's a great question. If you have a loan, that's not void. I think whoever acquires this thing would then acquire your loan. If you have a credit facility, I think that goes kaput. I think you do no longer have that credit facility, which is why I always tell founders, don't rely on venture debt lines, don't rely on, you know, these credit facilities to pay for your runway. If you have like a factory you're building, sure, getting a loan to build the factory. If you have hardware, if you have a bunch of receivables that are guaranteed and you factor them, uh, you know, like those things can make sense to me. But my lord, um, I don't think it's a great idea uh, to be living on loans at startups. Uh, nor do I think generally living on loans is a great idea for a country or for an individual or for a company or for a VC. And there are VCs, by the way, this is a little bit of a secret. There are VCs who have loans with um, Silicon Valley Bank. And those loans are against like, let's say their carry or their interest in previous funds. So let's say I had $10 million in carry profits from my previous venture funds, I might be able to go to Silicon Valley Bank or other banks offer this and get you know, a $5 million loan against those 10 million in paper gains to go live a lavish li lifestyle. And that's how we build our relationship. And then VCs are recommending Silicon Valley Bank, and they've got a deep relationship. I actually have a mortgage for this office that I'm sitting in, I believe is a Silicon Valley Bank mortgage, I have like a mortgage for I instead of renting office space, I calculated that I could buy a, 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 a loft in Soma, uh, and it would be cheaper than we work. So I did that. So I have a, a mortgage with Silicon Valley Bank. So what is the impact uh, for startups that have venture debt is a really good question. I think whoever acquires this thing owns that venture debt. And then I think the founders could probably stop paying it uh, until they get some feedback as to what to do. So it's, you know, like a holding pattern situation. I think most founders are not going to pay their venture debt while they wait to see what happens with the new owners. And the new owners might need to sit down with everybody who owes venture debt and you know, restart the relationship and then decide how hardcore they want to be with them. And do are all the employees at Silicon Valley Bank, I haven't heard one person talk about that. Are they all laid off immediately? Does nobody work at Silicon Valley Bank now? Or are they working for free? Or are they working on spec? Or do they know where their salaries or does the FDIC say everybody has their job at Silicon Valley Bank, we need you here to do an orderly um, sale or shutdown? I believe or the FDIC so uh post said that they the fdic said that it was going to take over operations but let me double check that no i think that's what happened so but the question is like for how long and so you know one wonders what's going to happen there how does this compare to 2008 and what lessons can be taken from that adam asks well in 2008 you had i guess bear Stearns and lehman and other places uh have this risk of ruin and it was outside of our wheelhouse so we weren't exactly impacted but the government did come in famously Guardian asks, will Stripe's attempt to raise $6 billion get hurt by this SVB fiasco? I think that was already done. But if to the extent those VCs have their money in Silicon Valley Bank, they now might have to call down another um, um, LP request. They might have to do another capital call from their investors to fund that. And those are big numbers. So it's possible. Do you expect to start uh, laying off immediately or will companies wait a few weeks? Alice asks. Yeah, I think... Um, I did a tweet storm about this. So my best advice for companies is figure out what your payroll is. Number one, stop paying any bills. Tell all your vendors that you're impacted by the Silicon Valley Bank. So you have like the accounts payable department shut down all payments out. 
This way, whatever cash you happen to have, even if it's that 250 you get it on Monday, you're solid. Figure out what your payroll is. Then you got to figure out there's HR laws. Like you have to let the employees know how much if you're going to be shutting down. Let's say your burn for the month is 250K. Uh, your salaries, your payroll is 250 and you have 250. Okay. You're going to have to let people know we have four weeks of salary. And that means if you were going to give any severance, and in some places, if you do a plant shutdown, there are laws around the concept of a plant shutdown. Some places you have to give two weeks notice, some place four weeks notice. I'm sorry, some places two months notice, some places three months notice. If you were going to let go of more than 100 people or more than X percent of staff and those shutdowns, those plant shutdowns, you saw come into effect with um, the layoffs at Twitter, Google, Amazon, Facebook, all of those people got those severance packages. And sometimes it was 60 days, sometimes it was 90s, that depends on the state you're in. And then then sometimes companies would put a, a, a factor on top of that. Now for small companies, if you're under, I think 100 people or 50 people, you have to consult with your um, HR company, and you're gonna have to get HR involved in this, you know, uh, Rippling, Gusto, whoever you use, you're gonna have to talk to them and say, what what is our liability here? And I think there might be people if it, they can't get access to the funds, and they can't do a bridge round with their existing investors, who would uh, be forced to shut down. And they would if they were doing this kind of emergency shutdown, the board and individuals might be personally liable uh, for those people's salaries. And so I'm not certain of that. But there are some things that will pierce the corporate veil. And I think these kind of shutdowns are one of them. So this could get acute. This is where you have to get legal and HR involved. Um, will it trickle over to other banks? That is a possibility. Uh, and I have that is one of the conversations that is occurring right now. There are also some banks, you may have seen Parker from rippling, he's blocking me for some reason, I think because I'm friends with David Sachs. He um, is using rippling, which is a payment service like a HR provider. Um, he is using SVB's rails and had to move those rails over to JP Morgan, he said in his tweet storm, but that payroll didn't go out. So every rippling customer didn't hit payroll this week. And they're going to hit it next week, uh, or maybe early next week, I guess. So you this is where like second order effects and third order effects, you know, are hard to predict, right. Um, and what started all this was the low interest rate environment running into uh, interest rates going up so quickly and volatilely and all this money being put into bank accounts, you get the idea. What about companies with more than 250k in deposits 97 accounts were not insured? Yeah, that's the problem. Um, I have multiple portfolio companies that are sitting on treasuries of 10s of millions, in some cases, hundreds of millions of dollars. And I'm sure some of them are at Silicon Valley Bank, uh, venture capital firms. And now we are left to wonder what some of our strongest and best companies are going to do. Uh, this is a very terrifying um, situation. Harmon asks, SVB manages over 250 funds on our behalf in a market account at JP Morgan. What do you think is going to happen with that? Okay. I've heard about this situation. Silicon Valley Bank and people have multiple bank accounts, but Silicon Valley Bank is administering them. I actually don't know. This is a gray area. And I wish you luck trying to figure that out. I think you might be okay. I think what everybody's going to learn coming out of this is you need to have three or four banking providers, and you need to split your money across from them. And if they don't like that, well, that's too bad. It's just the way business should work. You should always have multiple accounts. Even if just, you know, you have a rogue employee on your side, changes the password, you have don't have access to it, and you need to hit payroll or something. 
Uh, what happens to Silicon Valley Bank shareholders? Do they get anything back? I think they are going to be wiped out, but we'll see. Uh, California Backyard Bites asks, what do you think about the realization of 15 million losses for the acquirer? I guess, you know, there's some amount of goodwill in the brand, but brand now seems damaged. But I think if you keep all the employees, you have the relationships. So that's a great question. I, what is the value, right? Um, what do you think about the CEO of SBV selling 3.5 million in stock in the last two weeks? Is that true? That I don't have confirmation of. So I would need to check on that. If that was part of an automated, it certainly doesn't look good. If that was part of an automated plan, and he was selling 1.75 million a week uh, for the last 50 weeks, it wouldn't be a problem because it was automated selling. Um, if that trade was put in, you know, while he knew that there was problems uh, and people were withdrawing funds, yeah, that, that could be actionable. Um, are founders allowed to file a lawsuit against SVB? Yeah, you just become a creditor and you're already a creditor, even if you were. So I think everybody's going to be put in line and FDIC is going to try to do this in an orderly fashion. Bruce asks, how much is SVB in the red? That's what they have to figure out. That is the question. That is the question that nobody has the answer to. Um, Miko asks again, what happens to SVB loans to tech companies? Um, I don't know the answer to that. It depends on if this thing is shut down. And then if it's shut down, then is the government going to go after those loans and call those loans or try to recoup those and then slowly give them back to people who have deposits? Well, there are some people who have $10 million in deposits at SVB, and they might have a $5 million loan. What happens to that person? <laughs> they don't get their 10 million until they give 5 million back. Well, that's kind of impossible because you have their 10 million, they can't pay back the loan. Or do you net it out? So this is where I think we're in uncharted territory and a bankruptcy lawyer or an FDIC uh, restructuring person is going to have to answer these really weird cases, because the whole industry is so intertwined here. There's so many conflicts that who gets paid when is going to be crazy. Um, and um, Austin asked, what happens to General Atlantic's $500 million private investment now that the FDIC has taken over? If they've already paid it, I guess they lose it. And now they're a creditor and the equity stack. I don't know where they stand. We don't have the documents, but you know that could have been a loan. This is where like the device used to make the investment matters. You could have, that could have been done in senior debt that could transaction could not have been consummated, the money might not have been wired yet. So all of this is, you know, like the minutiae that's going to get sorted out. I hope this has been helpful to folks. And uh, we'll see you next time on this week in startups. Make sure you listen to all in as well. Uh, and you'll hear the besties talk about a lot of these issues as well. Thank you for giving me the warm up here to get out to the founders uh, and capital allocators in my audience at this week in startups this information and thanks for your great questions if you haven't already thumbs up and subscribe um my lord the chat is moving quickly <laughs> thanks to 2000 people in the room 2000 viewers what you're kidding yeah live that's, right um, now i think that's a record for us 2000 uh do me a it favor is. um i don't need anything from you um except um what what can I ask you to do? Just subscribe to the channel and give me a thumbs up. Tune into tune into the accelerator oh, demo. Yes, yeah, sorry. Hit the this week in startups in logo. Minutes. In five minutes, I'm going to have seven companies I've invested in who are having their demo day. They all have products in market, and that's what you can do. If you're an audience member of mine, you can angel invest in these companies through the syndicate.com. And if you are not an investor, 
you can simply give them your attention and feedback, go check out their website and try their products and amplify what they're trying to do. The world needs to support the new we need to support people uh, who are making new products and services, we need to support the creators and the builders in the world. And just a little bit of attention to them is how you can do that. So zero grift there. <laughs> I just want you to support them. I've already made placed my bet on them. Uh, and you can place uh, just a little bit of attention. So I'll see you over in the other stream. Bye bye, everybody.